Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skos Scouspo. Uh, some big news, guys. Um, news that we've been waiting for uh, for quite some time. Um, we finally get it. Uh, Northwestern has a new defensive coordinator. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in just a little bit. But kind of going on with the conversation we had last week about basketball. I mean, the men's basketball team is, you know, there's chatter. And it's 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 not completely unwarranted where people are starting to I, you're question right. if there's you're, a I know too I soon. Know, I know. Too it's soon. literally I was literally saying thing. It's like there's chatter and then there's like everyone wants to talk but doesn't want to talk and wants to talk and you have things like like uh, Louis Vacare retweeting uh, uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology this week, being like, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, being... I will not stand for it. I will not stand for it. Retrospective excitement only. This is only the third time in the last 55 years that Northwestern has been three and one in conference. It's only the second time that Northwestern has notched two conference ranked road victories. I will only accept retrospective uh, nuggets of 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 excitement at this stage. Fair enough. Now, like I, I think we are well warranted to be guarded, but you know we talked about this last week. Going to Indiana, um, number fourteen ranked Indiana at the time, and you know winning. The, in the fashion that we did, yes, it was a one-point victory because um, they hit a miracle, like three-quarters shot at the buzzer. It, it was a four, it was a four-point win. Let's let's call a spade a spade, though. Like we said going in, this was a good matchup for Northwestern, yeah. and it was. Mm-hmm. It was, and I think the other thing we said too is <clears throat> when Chase Adige and Boo Boo are both hitting shots, buckle up. I mean, it, it's not oh, yeah. going to happen a lot. Don't expect that to be a common thing, but if it is. Best of luck to you, because we have one of the best defenses in the country, and two hot guards. Like, I mean, and that's the thing. Indiana shot really well in this game, and did not yeah. win. And part it was two things. One, our offense did enough, and it was really balanced too. Barron had a great game, and Ty Berry put up a double double. Um, it was hitting big shots. So was Barron. The team defense was great. I mean, we put up a gif of um, of Nicholson and Barron. Uh, producing three straight blocks in the low block that was very reminiscent of the Charles Smith uh, against the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. So, like, we put up a gif with that. And again... John, I can't, John, I can't remember if it was you that said this or if it was someone else, but but talking about with, with the way the defenses coalesce, with the identity of the team, and when Boo and Adige are, are, are playing well and playing within themselves you can start to see other players on the team really finding confidence. So your point mm-hmm. about Barron, your point about Barry is um, that's, that is really exciting. I mean, that's the sort of galvanization of this team. We've there's been a soul for. to this team, right? There's a, it's like, yeah. there's a soul that's based around defense and they've got a swagger. They know what they're about and you're, yeah, absolutely. And at the head of the line, I mean, like Lordy, we threw as many, you know, gave him as many laurels as we could last week, and then he came out and had six steals, Chase Adige. I mean, he had two steals in 16 seconds. We put the video up. Unbelievable. Just, he's everywhere all the time, and um, 
the and yeah, he's just incredible. And le- with that leading the team, um, this was a deserved win. And yeah, Indiana kind of clawed back at the end, and the score makes it look close. But the other part of it, and this goes to the kind of the soul of this team, et cetera, is like how many times over the past five years have we seen Northwestern blow a lead and lose a game exactly like that? And this team didn't do that. They did what they needed to win, um, and they held on. And yeah, they're like Scott said, they're they're going to places that not many Northwestern teams have ever been to this point in the season. And, you know, Chase Audij, you know, was banged up mm-hmm. at, at, down the stretch. I mean, he was playing with a gimpy back. Um and like was visibly, you know, in uh, like in a certain amount of distress and just wasn't a hundred percent. But like, yeah, they they made a run down down the stretch and like they they came back and they made it close. But a few clutch foul shots down, you know, de- coming down the stretch. Like I said, yes, they hit a three quarter sh- court shot to make it a one point game, but the, it was the game was over at that point. I just want to throw a couple stats, um, you know, as we talk about their defense. Top 10 national on the defense, sixth national in block percentage. Northwestern's blocking 15.9% of the shots that they face and turning teams over on nearly a quarter of their possessions. That's just, that's wild. And I mean, we've seen, again, the, that video, I mean, like, we saw Barron and Nicholson put in a low block clinic uh, at Assembly Hall and then I've named, I mean, Adij produces like a block a game as a guard. I mean, he's ridiculous. But then there was that play um, against Illinois where, uh, was it Roper? I think absolutely tattooed a Dane Danger shot. I mean, right. It's a really athletic team. They're all over the place. Um, they're they're all over everybody. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking it. You know, it's January 10th as we record this, January 9th yesterday. I mean, on if we're all being honest with ourselves, we, you know, a lot of us would be thinking, watching some women's basketball and, you know, T-minus one month until softball season gets going kind of mentality. Yesterday, we got 21 AP poll votes. I mean, like, it is, it's, it's a story. I want to say his name again, Chris Lowry. Yeah. Assistant coach. Um, known for his defensive mindset, uh, was with Bruce Weber, has been, you know, in a whole bunch of different places, was going to what, like Missouri Valley State, I think. Um, and Chris Collins scooped him, scooped him up, and uh, the impact has been palpable. Um, I also want to call out Bryant McIntosh. Oh, for sure. Who yeah. was elevated to an assistant coach this year. It's his second year with the team. And um, Taylor Battle, who was a uh higher last uh, last year um is boo booey's older brother half brother um and i like there is something about bringing in youth there's something about bringing in outside perspective this is these are all <laughs> yeah, things i was about, about to say, about yeah, I was gonna say are you teeing yeah. up the pivot this early yeah. Yeah, I like I just, you know, I, f- I felt the need to go because the parallels are 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 obvious and I mean obviously McIntosh is an inside guy, but the youth movement, the the connection to players, um I think this stuff matters so much right now in college athletics um with with so much upheaval around whether it's NIL, whether it's transfer portal, whether it's just like life these last three and a half, four years. Um I think it's critical, and 
to see, you know, like we've, we've given Lowry a lot of kudos and well-deserved because of the defense, because of the scheme, because of what we're seeing, the effort on the floor. But um, let's, let's not give short trip to some of the other names that have, that have joined the program in McIntosh and battle these last couple seasons who, you know, are, are, I'll say clearly having an impact. I mean, we're not there in practice, right? We don't, we don't really know, but like, you have to think that the, the, the face of this coaching staff has, has changed dramatically um, in the last two seasons and that, and that that is part of what we're seeing play out on the court right now, particularly with the guards. Um, and that's, you know, Battle is a guard, McIntosh is a guard, Lowry is all about getting, you know, great defensive performance out of his guards, and our guards are kicking ass. So, like, yep. call a space. And again, game. just like we said last week, like, I mean, relative to Chris Collins, relative to the long term, relative to everything, just – Live in the side of the bubble that is this season. Yeah. Live in, Put a right, pin in that. Live inside what is happening right now and how good this team right here right now is and get your butt to Ryan, to uh, Welsh Ryan and watch these guys play. Yeah, I mean, they got the uh, game on Wednesday night against Rutgers, uh, a Rutgers team that is three and 3-2 in the conference, 11-5 and five overall. So, I mean, this this could be a real big matchup, um, you know, and – Kind of the the near future. I mean, Michigan is three and one in the conference. You know, we're at Michigan later on this week. Then we're at Iowa. Um, I was ten and six, two and three in the conference right now. And then a home game against Wisconsin. Um, you know, number eighteen ranked Wisconsin right now. So, you know, the next few games are against you know good opponents, and we're going to learn a lot over the next few games to see like is this sustainable? Is this something that like is going to be what we're looking at this season or is this like a you know flash in the pan getting the right team on the right night with the right injuries or you know there's all you can pick apart these wins in a bunch of different ways but like you can also look at it like no this is what we are and that if you know i'm choosing to look at it like that until proven otherwise oh yeah this team i think by this point it's 15 games in if you've been watching, you know what this team's about. You know their strengths, you know their weaknesses, and you know at the measure of the day, when they're playing their best ball, their best ball is going to be enough most of the time. So, yeah, get behind them. Um, I wish I wish I could be there Wednesday night against Rutgers, but silver lining, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're kind of re- about ready to put our mouth, money where our mouth is. You know, we've been saying get up to Welsh Ryan, get up to Welsh Ryan. We're putting together something, um, and the details aren't quite finalized yet, but uh, we're looking at um, Super Bowl Sunday at 1 o'clock. Northwestern is playing Purdue, uh, former number one-ranked Purdue. Now they're sitting at number three, and uh, you know we're partnering with uh, our good friend Jay over at Lake the Posts uh, to, to get something together. Um, $35 tickets uh, we're looking at. We got, we got a, uh, there's a group, like I said, coming together. Email LakeThePosts at gmail.com if this is something that you're interested in uh, being a part of. Uh, like I said, again, Super Bowl Sunday. It is the 12th of February, 1 o'clock. So you can go to the game and then still make it home in time for the Super Bowl if that is something you know something that you're worried about missing. Uh, missing the Super Bowl, I don't think you need to worry about that. But this is going to be a great time. Yeah. Um, you know, one, 1 o'clock tip. Uh Lake the posts at gmail.com if you're interested in uh, getting in on this. Like I say, $35 a ticket. You know, we're still working out some of the final details, but that, that's kind of what we're looking at right now. And, you know, hope to see as many of you guys there as possible. Yeah, we should mention 
Bears, bears ain't yeah, playing, bears, y'all. Exactly. Bears have the number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, it's we should mention too that it's we're kind of this this as it's coming together is kind of a, a three way operation. It's um Westlot Pirates, it's Lake the Posts, and it's Tom Moorhead and the Chicago Alumni Club um putting putting this together. So we're we're all kind of joining together and, and this should be a great opportunity. But again, it's like, you know, it's going to be a big block of fans. Um, we, you know, we did something similar with this for a women's basketball game. This is probably going to be an even more blown out version of that. And it's, you know, Alumni Club of Chicago. And it's, you know, Lake the Post is going to be there, which is just for us is the best. We just love Jay. Um, so, yeah, get in on this. Again, we'll be talking about it every week going forward. But uh, and, and, you know, hammering this, hammering down the, the final details. But yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Again, like the posts at gmail.com. If you're interested in, in getting in on this, um, you know, hope to see as many of you guys there as possible. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson law group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Simpson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Simpson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SimpsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! Uh, and, you know, I, I think with that, let's go ahead and pivot to our kind of lead story of the day, uh, lead story of the week. This is something that we've been waiting on for quite some time, um, you know, ever since Jim O'Neill and uh, the the rest of them were let go right after the season. We've been waiting to find out what uh, what moves Wildcats would be making as far as uh, the defensive coordinator. And, you know, we're, you know, last week we were talking about, you know, kind of wondering, like, what's going on? Why, why is this taking so long? You know, we kind of said, you know, we're not too worried about it at this point because, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a priority to get everything locked in before signing day. You know, keeping the class together was the biggest priority. We come to find out exactly why that's the case that we were waiting so long. Um, it looks like Northwestern is going to be hiring David Braun, uh, the defensive coordinator from North Dakota State, uh, as the new defensive coordinator here. Um, and he was they were playing in the national championship game of FCS uh, this Sunday. So, you know, he he was busy. He had stuff going on as, uh, you know, North Dakota State lost the Battle of the Dakotas to South Dakota State. Uh, South Dakota State wins the national championship in FCS. Uh, we don't need to talk about the Georgia TCU game. That happened. Whatever. Great. Cool. Whatever. Yeah, move, move on. Moving on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, David... David Braun. Yeah, I want to hit. I want to hit something right off the top, and I think you know we're going to talk a bit about scheme. We're going to talk a bit about like past uh, uh, NDSU defensive coordinators and coaches, and and where they've ended up, um, and how they've done, and uh, you know a whole bunch of other stuff. But I, I want to start here because last week I kind of asked you guys how you were feeling, if you felt like there was a lack of urgency, if there was any you know kind of like detriment for. You know, a few more days or even a week or two to pass before this got done. And we all kind of, we all kind of agreed, like, now, nah, like, we're feeling good about things. I think we also all assumed that the coaching staff, Fitzgerald, knew what he wanted to do with his defensive coordinator. And that is, like, this hire to me speaks very clearly that, like, David Braun's a guy that Fitz met through the 
American Football Coaches Association. Um, Braun, much like Ryan Smith, was on the uh, you know top 30 under 35 or top 35 under 35 years of age um, leadership program within that that association. That's clearly how Fitz has you know built some connections with these guys. Um, and I think that says something to me in that like when Fitz needed a coordinator, he went to that talent pool, not, you know, past NU players, not, um, you know, the NFL, uh, really targeted what would be like, maybe not like the young up and coming, but like the young soon to be up and coming coaches in college football. And, um, I think that's like, that's indicative that when this decision was, was, was laid out, they knew what they wanted to do. This hasn't been, you know, six weeks or however many weeks of like hemming and hawing and, oh God, what are we going to do? It's been like, no, we have a plan. We clearly know who we want to go after. He's got some other business to take care of and we'll get to it when we get to it. And, um, I like maybe, maybe I'm, I'm burying the lead here, but like, I love this hire for, for some of those reasons I just mentioned the youth, the youth piece, the, the clear intent intentionality of it. Um, there's a lot of other stuff to get excited about, but like, that's, I don't know. I just think that's really important from the get-go that the intention was here from, from day I, one. So, totally agree. Absolutely agree. We were very excited about this. I think for me, and maybe this is kind of a way to loosely structure where we're going to go with this, I, I would break this in half. I would say there's the X's and O's piece of this, the scheme piece of this, and then what we'll just call the everything else piece of this. We'll circle back... <laughs> To the scheme piece of this, all right? But let me just say, if I'm reading this clear ride right now and I'm looking at it, and I'm let's say I'm giving a letter grade based on how I feel right now. Clear eyed, I'm gonna say scheme, the X's and O's piece of this, I'm gonna grade as a B minus. Okay, that's that's what I'm gonna put right now. Okay, and we'll circle around to, to why I feel that way. The everything else, literally everything else, deciding between A and A plus, it's just do you have to have Jim Leonard for it to be an A plus? Is that your own personal grading system? Because otherwise, I mean, what's Jim Leonard was right. never a realistic hire. No, what Scuzz just now. said, I mean, Scuzz kind of barely scratched the surface of how flipping qualified this guy is to do this exact thing. It's like I don't even know where to begin. I mean, the most obvious way is right. He's coached at the FCS level in each of the last two national championship games. Um, I guess the easiest place to start is just NDSU and what NDSU is, right? This is the North Dakota State Bison, right? The talent-wise, no. Culture-wise, the only comp is Alabama over the past 15 years. A pl- How many title game appearances? I, mean, I, I don't even know. So like, many. So, so many. many. Like all of them. Um, it is a place where I guess this is research. We yeah, should have I mean, been yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can easily just say ten, and I, I know I'm not going to be wrong by a lot. Like it's there, they are. I just I know when I was living in Dallas, it was right. every year. Like every year they were in the game, and almost every year they won, and it was right. just. It is. Yeah. It is a place that they piss excellence all day. It is. The expectation there is you'll never lose. That is the expectation game to game. So they were champions in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2021. 
this team, absolute powerhouse. And I think one of the first places that we want to start to is calling them a powerhouse and saying that they play like this is actually selling them short a little bit in the way that some people view this program. And we were talking about this right before the pod, looking at a couple of of different ways to kind of get at this statistically. Does North Dakota State recruit incredibly well at the FCS level relative to their competition? Yes, they do. Do they recruit way better than everyone else that they're competing against? No, they do not. No. Not when you're talking about (laughs) the playoffs and all the other top teams, your Eastern Washingtons, your Sam Houston States, all the teams they know they're going to go head-to-head with in the playoffs, Um, not to mention a South Dakota State or someone like that, the culture there, yeah. So let me just throw this out there. So I've been digging around on on 24-7 because I don't think Rivals has has numbers for FCS squads that I can easily find. Um, So in the 2016... 2017 2018 range is kind of like that the high end of north dakota state recruiting so at the in those stages per 24 7 they were like in they like overall or composite rank like 135 136 138 in those three years that's out of everybody so if there's 120 to 130 teams in division one or in in fbs um north dakota state was solidly in the top 10 of FCS. Now we also know that those two things aren't like it doesn't like the cut off it doesn't cut off at 131, right? Like there's some flex there, but so like North Dakota State has not been the Alabama of FCS from a recruiting perspective. When you get into the more recent years, 2019, uh 2020, 2021, you're talking about you're talking about 140s. Right. Low 140s, but still 140s. Um so I just I think that's just important context like Sure. Did they have a, a a talent advantage over, you know, the majority of FCS? Absolutely. Were they Georgia? No. And I think there's been a lot of like, we've seen a lot of comments on Twitter, ironically, especially from North Dakota State fans who we think are just kind of like salty about what happened last weekend. Like, fair enough, you lost to South Dakota State. They had never lost in the in the championship game before, by the way. Yeah. They're nine and one. I, I listed off all those years that they won it. This year's the first year they've been runner-up. Um, but the point is that from a talent perspective, like, yes, yes, they were, you know, recruiting very, very well for an FCS team. But that, um, that's but key, that, for an FCS team. For an FCS team, and that does not explain all the the wins they've notched over FBS teams over the course of the, of, of the last decade. And all the FCS teams and, that recruit at the same level they do, who they've dominated. Yes, Exactly, because when they were winning those championships year after year after year, like folks, it weren't right. close. They're, they are, and and you see this reflected a couple of other ways too. Because again, this was a classic thing. We're like, oh, well, he's used to having a talent advantage. Wait until he goes. It doesn't nope. work that way at North Dakota State. Hey, hey, you know who had a talent advantage? I think I think Mike Hankowitz had a talent advantage when he had first round future first round pick Greg Newsom. And future, what was it, fourth round pick Joe Gaziano on the team at the same I mean, time? Like Northwestern had a freaking talent advantage on the defensive well, side too. And folks. that's the thing is is there are two other ways that that we can spin this because I think what we're getting at is he uh, David Braun is part of this machine of an unbelievable culture that includes really good coaches and the player development is excellent. And one of the other ways that you see this when you look at 
what they've churned out. So, like, for example, Scuzz, I think you highlighted, if you look at the NFL draft, right, you said, how, tell, take, me, take me through, what was the NFL draft number that you pulled up? So in the last, uh, so since 2014, so basically since, like, the early stages of, of, of North Dakota State's dominance, they've had eight, wait, two, four, six, eight, ten draft picks since, since 2014. In that same time period, Northwestern has had 11 since 2015. But what's interesting in North Dakota State, only two of those guys were defensive players. Right. So very skewed toward the offense. And of course, you know, we've all heard, you know, Carson Wentz uh, and then um, more recently Trey Lance and then Christian Watson uh, last season going to Green Bay. Like they've put, you know, some big name players in the NFL who have who have uh, done well for themselves. But um, the and defensive then there's, side, and then there's Carson Wentz. It's, it's right. Yeah, well, they're, yeah. they're, he can't he can't the, the defensive side, though, just hasn't. And again, it just this speaks to the 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 scheme and the coaching as opposed to the talent flowing through uh, North right. Dakota It's State. a machine that where everything works in concert. And another way you see it reflected yep. is last year. So, I mean, we buried a little bit of lead on this one, right? David Braun in the 2021 season was named FCS coordinator of the year. So why? Yep. Because their defense gave up friggin' like 10 points a game. Yeah, I think it was point one per game, which was they, like a. But and they were top. They were top five right. in everything. So points per game, yards right. per game, um, it, like and everything. They and were you top would five. expect, based on that, per the Alabama Georgia conversations that we're having, to look at the FCS All American team from 2021 on the defensive side of the ball and see it just stacked top to bottom with NDSU guys, and it just doesn't work that way. I think they had. They might have had one first-team guy or zero, and then like two second-team guys, something like that. Um, and then you look at the the MVFC, like the Missouri Valley Football Conference, all-conference too, and it's like the same thing for 2021. You're looking and you're being like, where are all the guys? If this defense is this good, surely they must have all yep. these stars. It's just a machine. Um, Dra- draft picks these last two years, like since since, you know, that year where he was named coordinator of the year, Trey Lance, quarterback, Dylan Reddins, tackle, Christian Watson, wide receiver, Cordell Volson, yep. tackle. So that's a big part of it um, is this this culture, and that's what you're pulling. Yes, you're pulling a guy in who's had an incredible individual success, but you have to understand, yes, I mean, yes, they have a lot of talent on this team relative to the other teams they play, and you know what? Other teams do too, and other teams don't beat the brakes off every team they play. Like, it's just... There is this deep, deep culture there. What, what did you What did you say on Twitter to one of the NDSU fans well, yesterday? Like uh, Texas has a lot of really yeah, good talent right. too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Texas. What? Some people have the culture going, and some don't. But here's another big question that that you might have, right? Which is okay. <clears throat> so let's say that's true. Well, what about the jump to FCS? Right. Okay, you're doing it at the at. FB, did the jump to, to FBS. FBS. Right. You're doing it at the FCS level with this powerhouse team where the culture is so good. But what happens when a coach from that system goes to the FBS? How does that play out? Well, luckily, ask there's State. been a lot. And ask Kansas State is right. Um, the If you look, so if we rewind back to, I think, 2009. In 2009, NDSU had a bad football team. And they turned over staff after that point. 
If you look just at the defensive coordinators from that point on, in 2010, they hire Scotty Hazleton. Where is Scotty Hazleton now? He is Michigan State's defensive coordinator. Now, again, we know it's been up and down. They didn't have a great year last year. They, of course, did have a great year the year before. But that's, that's we're talking, I think he was 2010 to 2012. In 2012, Scotty Hazleton, having left, and I think he went to Wyoming to join Craig Bull, um, the pre, you know, as part of that previous NDSU administration, now at Wyoming. Hazleton is replaced by Chris Kleiman. Where is Chris, Chris Kleiman right now? To Sam's point, he is the reigning Big 12, the coach of the reigning Big 12 champion. Um, with, 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 four, with four FCS national championships to right, the game as because well. Because after he was the defensive coordinator at NDSU, he took over as the head coach of NDSU and plowed forward and they were and you know and they were just phenomenal. Then after Kleiman was promoted to head coach at NDSU, Matt Entz became the defensive coordinator at NDSU. Matt Entz is the current head coach of NDSU. Again, has played in the last two FCS national championship games, one one lost yeah. one. Also won in 2019. So he has two national titles to his right. name and one runner. So then when Matt Entz, when Kleiman left, so there was this period of time in 2019 where Kleiman leaves NDSU and goes to K-State. And he sets about putting together a staff at K-State. Well, one of the things, first things he does is he brings Scotty Hazleton over from Miami to be his D.C. He also brings the secondary coach from NDSU, Joe Klanderman, to K-State with him. Of the remaining group that's left at that point at NDSU, Matt Entz takes over as uh, head coach and David Braun takes over as DC. These guys were both on the staff and they both elevated. So the staff kind of split in half at this point. At Kansas State, after one year, uh, Hazleton gets the offer from Mel Tucker to come over to Michigan State. He goes to Michigan State. Klanderman is promoted at K-State. So keep in mind, two of the former defensive coordinators, or not defensive coordinators, but coaches who were on the staff with David Braun and directly preceded him, basically taking over at D.C., have combined to shepherd the defense that is the defense of the reigning Big 12 champion right now. And then the D... Yeah. And and it, and and if all if all that back if all that rigmarole like in detail like made your head hurt here's here's the bottom line. Former NDSU defensive coordinators, and even defensive coach position coaches, have been extremely yep. successful yes. at the FBS level. Right. That's and the not, point. This is a this is not just a program right. that churns out FCS championships and FCS wins. It is a it is a program that develops. Right. Really strong and really strong and has and has disseminated that coaching through a coaching tree that is like right barely ripe. Right. And and I mean successful right now. Like these right. And these guys like and again, this is not a lot of time we're talking about. This is a really close family of guys and, and they're good right now. So Braun comes with all of this. He's guys have done been in the exact same position he was before, had dominated at North Dakota State, have gone to the FBS and have done really well at the FBS level. So it's like you have all of that. And then one piece, and I think 
a little bit of a soft pivot to the scheme piece. It's funny, you know, to go all the way back to NDSU and to expectations as they exist at NDSU and how high those expectations are. Well, NDSU is in this weird situation where in the past two years, they've won a national title and played for another national title. And at the same time, are 0-3 against South Dakota State. And that is... Yeah, South Dakota State has turned into a juggernaut. And that is where the minds of a lot of Bison fans are right now. And the the one thing... Really mad about SDSU and also really hate the Gophers. (laughs) So there, you can... And there is one piece of it, which is... South uh, North Dakota State's defense fell off this year. Now, fell off, as we said, is relatively speaking. They went from giving up 11 friggin' points a game last year to being ninth in, in the FCS in scoring defense this year. But they did have some problems on run D. They were something like, I think, the 60th, give or take, FCS run defense. That is not great. Um, and that is despite playing a lot, not really playing, almost any of the good run teams at the FCS level. I think the best they played was um, uh, Youngstown State was 17th, and Youngstown State had a back go for like 180 and 8.8 a carry against them. And then they played two other teams that were top 30 in rushing, Incarnate Word and South Dakota State, in the last two games of their season. And both of those teams kind of blew a hole in them running the ball. Like you're talking like 250 rush yards, give or take. And they won one of those games and they lost the other. They're part of that though, so there are two ways to look at that. One is, well, that's you know, that's not good and certainly not as good as he, you know, as what he turned in the year before. And there's certainly, as Scuzz said, a lot of NDSU fans still smarting from that South Dakota State loss who would hop on board that train. They had a lot of injuries this year. A lot. Um, they particularly lost a big defensive tackle, um, who was played as a as a freshman and a sophomore was really good for them both years was going to anchor the interior of their line had 10 tfls last year they lost him they lost i think their number four leading tackler from last season also a sophomore rising junior um to injuries they had missed those guys for the entire year they were really banged up as the year got on and in fact they were desperately trying to use that massive gap between the semi and the final to get as many guys healthy for sdsu as possible Um, but they were a mash unit all season on defense. So on one hand, you can look and be like, well, they fell off and, you know, there, there were some, certainly some problems running the ball, but you can also look and be like, this is a, a a system where to bring up the team that Scuzz brought up, right? You could look at 2020 Northwestern, which was so good on defense. And then the way the wheels absolutely fell off the next year and be like, NDSU could have been in a similar situation this year. And yes, they didn't get the, quite the results that they wanted. But at the end of the day, it was the number nine scoring D in the conf- in the country and they played for an FCS championship. So, uh, you know, it speaks to the culture and the job that David Braun is doing developing these players. All right. So you know, we've talked culture. We've talked his, his background. We've talked, you know, kind of where he's coming from. What do we know about his on the field play so, uh, like his on the field well yeah i just there's one thing i wanted to hit before we get to the scheme and that's like by way of kind of summarizing this this everything else thing i i just i, I threw this on twitter and i want to call out like like some of the other reasons we're so excited for 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 braun is be, is because he checks these four boxes he brings an outside perspective 
he's a young coach with potential. So the, the ability to connect to and, and, you know, build relationships with the young players that, that frankly we've heard has been a problem for Northwest Northwestern coaching staff these last four or five years. Um, he's a proven winner and he comes with that championship mentality. We've spent a lot of time talking about that with the, with the pedigree and the program at North Dakota state. But like, when you, when you think about those four boxes, outside perspective, young coach with potential, proven winner, championship mentality, none of those four things were true two years ago when we brought in, when we brought in Jim O'Neill. Now, Jim O'Neill had NFL pedigree and NFL experience and success coaching DBs in the NFL <laughs> and the thought that... The end. Yeah. yeah, the end. And the thought that... I mean, we all we all kind of immediately glommed on, or certainly I did, to the idea that like, hey, what you know, the next the next horizon for this coaching staff is developing NFL players, and yeah, we've got Greg Newsom and we've got you know Gaziano, some other defensive line. Like, we need to we need to step the thing up, and having a coach with a ton of NFL experience is a great is a great starting point. Well, obviously that didn't work out, right? Um, so. Like that that is maybe like one one small negative about Braun is that he doesn't bring that NFL experience. Um at the same time our other uh our other coordinator spent two years with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um a number of our position coaches have spent time, you know, um either as players in the NFL or or uh, as coaches, et cetera. So like I like I'm not super worried about that, but um I think it's worth calling out that like the one box that O'Neill checked is not checked here, but I feel like there's so much more going for this hire because all, all the of, other boxes are checked. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. Um, and so in, in the interest of scheme um, and, and like you said, I said B minus and I'll kind of explain where my thinking is on that one place to start. And I found this an amusing place to start is so we were talking with our, our buddy coach from NUFB recruiting. Um, I'm sure you're all familiar with him on Twitter. Um, been guest on the pod before. And we had a little discussion with him that, you know, it's basically a throwaway discussion where he was, you know, he came, he came and he said, Hey, have you guys seen a Twitter uh, page for David Braun yet? Cause I didn't find one. And, and we said, no, we haven't seen one either. And then we kind of looked and there was, you know, when you look at the NDSU football account, they you see one for all the other coaches. You didn't see one for him. This is all a throwaway conversation. Who knows? We could have just not found it. Um, it could have been something that was taken off of that site so that Northwestern can add their own or something like that. Who knows what the explanation is? I'm only bringing this up to make this joke. When you watch the tape of David Braun's defense, it looks like the defense of someone who does not have a Twitter page. <laughs> It, it looks like the defense of someone whose email address ends in AOL.com. This is an old school looking defense. It is a conservative base 4-3 defense. I mean, it's funny. We had strong hopes that we were going to see that switch to the 3-4 based on everything we knew about Jim O'Neill. I would almost guarantee you 100% that the defense you see under David Braun is going to look incredibly similar, if not identical, to what you saw from him at NDSU because it looks like something Pat Fitzgerald would draw up himself. Um, yes, there are small differences, but overall, this is a a system that wants to play as much 4-3 as possible um, and does not bring a lot of pressure from the linebackers. It wants to get pressure from the front four. 
and it wants to be conservative, play sound football, and wait for you to make mistakes and hope that the ability of the front four to generate pressure and the ability of the linebackers to do a lot of things um, is going to carry the day. And I know that a lot of you are listening, being like wringing your hands at this already. And this is where a little bit of that B minus piece comes because it is, it's, it's similar stuff. I think it, it's sim it's, it's similar stuff, but I think it's so important. Like if the last two years hadn't happened, this would be exactly what we would all be wanting. It's like, hey, this is this is this is not something necessarily, like yes, it's something it's it's something maybe Fitz would draw up, but more importantly, it's something Hank would draw up. Like this is this this is the Hankowitz. And this approach. is a guy who's this is what he has always done. It's the system he knows, and he's had tremendous success doing this exact thing. Um, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right, and that is so. If we get into some of the 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 little pieces of it. I would say this is, so I would phrase it like this. This is a defense that um, is very linebacker friendly as Pat Which Fitzgerald. Which is right up its well, alley, right? Well, I was going to say very linebacker friendly, but not maybe as you, the listener, would define linebacker friendly or say as like Manny Diaz would define linebacker friendly. It's as Pat Fitzgerald or Kirk Ferentz would define linebacker friendly. <laughs> it is a defense that asks a lot of the linebackers and tries to build success off of them being able to handle those responsibilities. And most of that is not blitzing. So basically, I would say the platonic ideal of a David Braun linebacker is Chris Bergen, uh, a guy who can cover as well as he can tackle, can range all over the field, and is more than happy, if you want him to, to straight up man cover a wide receiver. Because what this defense likes to do is they are more than happy to take linebackers and split them out wide and really spread the field with them, but not have that necessarily mean what you think it's going to mean. Maybe that wide receiver spread all the way out because he's straight up man on a wide receiver. Maybe he's spread all the way out there, but he's just going to drop back into zone. Maybe he's spread all the way out there, but he is going to come on a blitz in one of the times that they do decide to bring five-man pressure. But they want to do a lot of that flexibility and be like, regardless, we have a pretty good idea of the kind of scheme you're putting on the field we are going to sort of make you guess exactly what we're going to be doing with our linebackers from a coverage standpoint, and then they'll cover the run as necessary. It asks a lot of the linebackers, if you've got Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher, you know, if you've got the law firm, yes, this is exactly that kind of defense. When it's a little bit worse, you see the the strain there. I think one thing that you'll see is... Um, you're not going to see a star. It's not that kind of deal. Did they play a nickelback a bunch of the season who was a safety? Yes, they did. But if that guy was on the field, it's because NDSU thought you were throwing the ball. He's out there to cover a wide receiver. Um, if they, I mean, like, ideally, I think you can look at the, the defense they're rolling out and be like, if NDSU felt like they had three of the most athletic linebackers in the country, they'd never play nickel. 
They want to use the linebackers to do multiple things so that you have to guess exactly how they're playing you from the base personnel. Um, So it's, again, you're looking and you're being like, well, I think you would see a situation where Bryce Gallagher may find himself at times kind of on an island in the middle of the field because the the other two linebackers may have spread out wide because David Braun's wanting to use the base to be like, okay, look, these guys may immediately come up and play the run, and that may be where their focus is all the way, but I want you to guess what they're doing. So that's good from that standpoint. Um, but we talked earlier about these injuries that NDSU faced this year and the fact that this was like the number 61 run D in the FCS and it did not end well for them running the ball in their last two against the run in their last two games. They had problems on the defensive line. They had one great defensive lineman who was an end. Stop me if any of this sounds familiar. And then deficiencies at other spots on the defensive line caused by injuries. Once again, stop me if any of this sounds familiar. And they got a lot of holes blown in them. Um, and the I'd say the single biggest part of the B minus here, but again, it's kind of goes to to your own personal read on the situation is again, not unlike a Northwestern, not unlike a Pat Fitzgerald mentality, David Brown David Brown was like, I stand on the culture of what we have built here. I'm not changing a thing as this season goes on. I don't care how many injuries we have. This is the way we do it. And yes, against two powerful offenses at the end of the season, that had disastrous results. You could also make the argument, going back to that number nine scoring defense, that culture kind of carried the day for them in a season when they were really dealing with a lot of problems on the defensive side of the ball relative to available personnel. Um, But again, aside from that, like they had a great pass defense this year. They had a great pass defense this year despite not getting sacks. They had one player with nine sacks. They did not get sacks from anywhere else. The other defensive linemen chipped in maybe like four or five, um, and the linebackers don't generate any because they don't play that kind of defense. They don't bring pressure like that. So it's a conservative D. It's a conservative D of a flavor you are very, very used to. Um, Yeah, Yeah. Go, go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah, I mean, again, there are other little, tiny little moving the deck chairs things. He'll pinch defensive tackles a little bit more than Jim O'Neill or even Mike Hankowicz pinch defensive tackles. Um, and we talked about, again, they, they want to flex linebackers out as much as those linebackers are available and stay with base 4-3 and only go to a 4-2-5 when they really think the other team isn't going to run. But again, these are deck chair things. This is going to be a D you are very familiar with. And I think the hope and the goal, right, is that you're bringing in someone who coaches that D very effectively. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, for me, my read on this is that this is a hire with the defense Northwestern wants to be in mm-hmm. mind, not necessarily the defense we are. So, I mean, we've we've said it before, like, we're pretty anxious about next year's roster and what, Northwestern has coming back and um, yeah, there's still time to maybe get some, some guys through the portal, et cetera. But like the D line's a concern. Like, like we just don't have enough bodies. Um, And there's, there's no defensive coordinator that's going to solve that unless he comes with, you know, a couple of, of choice transfers. Um, So I like that's, you know, that is potentially a, a, a real struggle point here is that, 
and, and this would have been true regardless who we hired. I think that the difference is that unlike O'Neill, who was being asked to run a defense that he had never, ever worked with before. Um, and that was, you know, in some ways different from what Northwestern had done with that, that star package, et cetera. Um, this is, this is, Hey, I, I'm going to rebuild the, the 2020 Northwestern defense. Um, it's just going to take me a couple of years to get the guys to do it. Right. Like, like that's, that's, that's probably the, the, that's the, the best outlook. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I think, and again, you, again, you look at what he asks from the linebackers and the, it, it is. And, and again, you saw some struggles where again, you see situations where, Again, they were dealing with problems on the defensive line. Sounds familiar. And you did have situations where a team like South Dakota State is spreading those guys out and then hammering them up the middle into a hole they were able to open. And you've got linebackers who are having trouble getting to that spot. And some of that sounds, you know, potentially distressingly familiar. The flip side is this is a team that. One year ago, when they had that phenomenal defense, had several big-time linebackers, lost one to graduation, lost another to injury, and minted at least one other great linebacker to help fill the gap. Culture. This team covered unbelievably well. Both of the safeties were all-conference caliber players, okay? They do all the little things well. And when they had problems, I mean, again, one of the flip sides to to argue this is the defensive tackle they lost, Eli Mostart, who was this great player and is probably going to be a great player for NDSU this year coming off of injury. If he's healthy this year, they may be a national championship and they may be a good 30 spots better in run defense. And again, we're all familiar with the issues of defensive tackle injuries and what that can lead to. But like Scuzz said, right, this is a culture thing. It's a long view thing. It's less about an aggressive change in scheme, and it's more about, I think, his confidence in the ability to do things incredibly well and incredibly effectively. Well, at, at their heart, football coaches are teachers, right? Like, that, like, you boil down what they're doing with most of their time. It's watching film, diagnosing stuff, coming up with a plan, and teaching it. And one of the things we heard a number of times regarding Jim O'Neill was, dude dude sells a great plan like talks about what the package can do talks about you know how they're gonna do this that and the other thing like sounds awesome and it just doesn't come together in practice and or 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 in in reality right um there was clearly a a, it was the, the past two years like you didn't see concepts translating from whatever the whatever the um the theory was into reality on the field and here's a guy who has been doing that for four years and successfully um and that like that's where the culture piece matters to me is that david Braun can come in on day one and like i'm sorry anybody who looks at him and 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 you know within the football team and, and complains about it like oh he's just an fcs coach like get the get out like I'm sorry, that's just crazy. Um, he's he's got he's got credibility and pedigree in the way that, frankly, no other you know uh, d- defense coach has from a championship perspective. And that medal and that approach and that 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 teaching experience is is going to be huge. That and that that is going to matter from day one. And that is that is the one thing that you hope maybe can over help overcome 
or certainly, you know, bolster some of the the roster deficiencies that that we might have right now on paper. Yeah. One question. One question I have: um, Have all of the defensive linemen who entered the portal found new homes? That is a good question. I'm not really sure. Um, I know. I mean, I... because because if if they haven't, I wonder if this might uh, might affect that somehow. I mean, I've I've talked many times with you guys about landing the Scooby's Red Hot's NIL deal for PJ Mustafer to get him to, to come over for one year. So you know, PJ, if you're listening, <laughs> NFL can wait one year. Oh. Uh, we, we'd love to have you. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I think he certainly at the FCS level has a really strong track record with developing defensive linemen. I mean, again, they have a strong track record with developing everyone. Again, not to an NFL level, but you're talking about zero-star, one-star, two-star recruits developing into one of the best defenses year-to-year in the FCS. So the one other thing that's a weird thing, and it was... So, no, go well, ahead. So, sorry, let me just, just jump in. So um, to, to that specific question, so Austin Firestone has landed at Missouri. He's okay. committed. Jason Gold is still uncommitted. Um, and then the, those are the only two defensive line transfers. Uh, Ashton Porter, who was you know committed to Northwestern as a recruit, he's, he's a then, uh, Jordan, um, Jordan Butler. Well, Jordan Butler, yeah, Jordan Butler. I'm not sure. Is Butler in the portal? Butler's in he the portal. He is. Yeah. So again, and it's with oh, he does he doesn't come up on the on the um the 24/7 tracker site, which is why I did not mention him. And but. with Butler and Gold, of course, we know there's been a big injury piece with those guys and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, whatever bottom line, whatever's best for them. Um, Porter is a, yeah, no, a hundred Porter's a duck. He's committed to Oregon. But then yeah, Porter, Porter's at Oregon. And so like, but so like, I, you know, I guess gold could, could pull his name out. Um, I guess Butler could pull his name out if he wanted to. Um, the, uh, the other names, Firestone and, and, and Porter being the, the, the two big ones are, um, are spoken for right the the one other thing i wanted to mention only because it's kind of been a talking point and and again this is not a a value judgment one way or another it's just it's just interesting and it's something that i came across that i think the listeners would be interested in so 335 stack defense is on a lot of people's minds right now because tcu is on people's minds right now now again they ended in are are they on people's minds right they ended in horrific fashion getting absolutely annihilated by georgia but Wrote a three-three-five stack all the way to the national championship game. Um, one interesting thing is we talked earlier about uh, Chris Kleiman, who had been the DC at NDSU and then the head coach at NDSU and now is at Kansas State, reigning Big Twelve champion. Um, and Joe Klanderman, who had been position coach at NDSU, went over was position coach for one year um, at K State and then took over as DC in 2020. Well, in 2020, running a 4-3 defense, K-State did not have a good defense. And at the end of 2020, Chris Kleiman and Joe Klanderman sat down and made the decision to scrap the 4-3, which was all any of those, that's all those two guys had ever known, going back to to NDSU and beyond that, and scrapped it to put in a 3-3-5. And a 3-3-5 is what they have run the last two seasons, including this, the Big 12 championship season. I thought that was interesting only because, again, same culture, same thing out of NDSU. And for whatever reason, those guys decided that they couldn't make it work. Now, we all know historically Big 12 plays a little bit more track meet football. Of course, TCU has had success for years, going back to Gary Patterson, running the 3-3-5 stack in the Big 12. So that may have played a fact, et cetera. But rest assured, 
ain't going to be no three three five stack at Northwestern. <laughs> I would say this only, uh, you know, everything that David Braun is about gels with everything that Fitz is about, and I think it's it's four three all caps going forward with us. So I mean, I'm like everyone else, very interested to see. You know, we. We made all like we're making a lot of assumptions based on previous track records, and you know we, we did that with Jim O'Neill as well, um, and we were very wrong about Jim O'Neill uh, for, for a lot of things. So you know I can't wait to see what kind of what everything happens as you know as we go through spring, which we won't get any reports coming out of spring, but you know if as news trickles out of the program, if any news trickles out of the program. I'll be interested to see kind of what happens. And then, you know, getting into next season, um, you know, what, what will it, what will it look like? And, because, you know, I, I know the, the, I remember the first couple games under O'Neill, well, the first play under Jim O'Neill is like, Oh, wait, what? Yeah. As, didn't as go Kenneth well. Walker is still running. Yeah. And I think to maybe to put a pin, cause obviously we're going to go at this so much more in relative to Northwestern personnel. And we've got, all the time in the world to, to get even deeper into the weeds on this. But I, I'd circle back to something Scuzz, Scuzz said, which at the end of the day, he's a builder and he's here to build this defense back up. And it's maybe it happens in one year, maybe it happens in two years, maybe it happens, but he's here to build it up for the long term. He's this is a he's about culture. It is not going to be radical shifts in scheme. It is going to be focusing on coaching guys the right way and building guys up the right way and just continuing a culture of excellence that he's used to. And that is that's what we're that's what we're buying here. And I think that's what has us all feeling really good. And I would imagine that, um, you know, with Braun coming in now, we'll see a defensive line coach come in. Not not too far from now, because you, you want to get your defensive coordinator in before you hired the position coach, I would imagine. And like, you know, we wondered why had Armin Bins been hired first, but again, we had the offensive coordinator in position. So I'm sure Bajakian had input on, you know, hiring Armand Bins. So, you know, we got Braun in here. I would imagine we'll find, we'll hear who our new D line coach is going to be before too long. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. That that would make sense. And I think um hopefully I mean I I'm just flipping through the there's a ton of defensive linemen in the transfer portal transfer portal right now. Um there's a three star dude, uh Truman Jones from Harvard. There's a couple of uh there's there's a, a, a four star guy, George Rooks from Michigan. You've got um at least one, maybe two Illinois players, um another um Oh, some of these guys are, are repeated. I see the website's not loading appropriately. A couple, you know, a couple guys from Stanford. Like, there's there's opportunity out there, and we know that's a position of need. Um, with with uh, you know, what, something one of our followers on Twitter pointed out, which I think is very apt, is that um, in addition to you know everything we've talked about in terms of exp- his experiences at DC, um, Braun has coached every level of the defense. He was um, a, a, a safeties and DBs coach. Uh, that was his focus area at NDSU. When he was with Northern Illinois, he coached um, defensive line or uh, Northern Iowa. Sorry, not Northern Illinois. And then um, I believe played as a linebacker, coached as a linebacker in kind of some of his first stints, et cetera. So like he has familiarity with coaching all three levels of the defense. I think that's probably important um, as, as he comes in. But like we know that 
I guess I'll, I'll say this. We, we know Northwestern's coaching staff right now is heavy on the defensive backs, so um, that was one thing I was slightly concerned about when I first heard the news. It's great to hear that he's got some D-line pedigree and some linebacker pedigree. Um, obviously, like we have a position coach spot that we should fill. I, I'm not, I, do, I do not think that he's going to be responsible for the defensive line on top of his coordinator duties or anything, but um, knowing that he can bring that level of experience across the board is well. And plus, right. AFC coach, AFCA coach, but former FCS coach of the year. And the two guys who directly preceded him as defensive coordinator at NDSU are now championship level head coaches. They're head coaches holding titles. So this is a leader of men. This is a guy who is, right, like Scuzz said, he's skilled all over the ball. He's a teacher. He's a young guy. He's probably a very ascendant guy. And when you fold that into some of the guys we've got showing up on the staff, you know, like, and again, like a Ryan Smith, and it's just, there's a lot of exciting young voices on this team. And I don't know, we even even talked too much about Armin Bins, who, this was someone who, it's interesting where it's like, you get to a point where you're like, I can remember him playing football, like specifically for Cincinnati, for, uh, yeah, we freaking loved him in yeah. Cincinnati. He was yeah. awesome. So, and I mean, again, it's like a, a young, dynamic coach who played in the 2010s and was really good, you know, in the Midwest and has a lot of that experience. And it's just bringing in an exciting young perspective to the wide receiver core. It's just great. So we'll we'll have like like you guys said a lot of time to kind of go into this even further. Um, I, I I think you know we covered as much as we can tonight. Uh, one one last thing I want to mention, you know, as we kind of get into our final thoughts, um, and you know, I, I know we said we weren't going to be talking about the national championship game anymore, uh, the Georgia TCU game. However, one positive thing to come out of that game, uh, if you are anything but a Georgia fan, is now Northwestern is not on the losing end of the biggest blowout in a bowl game in college football history. Yep, I I the. This is something that I have been monitoring for years. There was a game, um, I want to say maybe three years ago, that came within like a point or two. Is like we just needed the the team on top to kick another field goal, and it and it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, that sixty six to seventeen uh, horror show in the Elmo Dome, uh, my junior year of college, has I I believe that is that has been the largest bull margin of victory. Um, uh, you know, record in college football uh, since that time, so, and um, Georgia blew so it out of the water. So you're saying now, <laughs> now you... Kyle Vandenbosch won't be inhabiting my nightmares quite as much anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, that and the the QB option pass to Eric. Hey, Coach, hey, hey uh, Kyle Vandenbosch referenced Nebraska fans. Don't say I never did anything for you. Look, all right, it's not all ripping on Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> wow but, but i sure prefer when <laughs> it agreed. is yeah for sure for sure um anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight guys um no i just you know uh, to throw it back out there go see this te- go see this basketball team play um against Rutgers uh on wednesday night tomorrow night tonight probably based on when you're listening to this um i like it, the the team's fun. Get, you know, get excited at the same time. Like Rutgers has a has a their leading score is their center. Um, it's not that it's not a great matchup for Northwestern in, in the way that that Indiana was. Um, obviously, Rutgers is not as talented either, and it's a home game versus be on the road. So, like, who knows? We'll we'll see what happens. But um, 
this team has has earned uh, has earned our attention and our fandom um, to really you know follow them and support them this year and um, yeah get on get on board. I, I'll say it. And and again, let's not forget about the uh, the. Super Bowl Sunday matchup against Purdue, uh, posts at gmail.com if you're interested in joining us uh, for the Northwestern Purdue game on the 12th of February at 1 p.m. I'll phrase, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of close it this way because I specifically had this thought yesterday. Uh, it's been a good couple of days to be a revenue sports fan of the Northwestern Wildcats. There's been good yeah. good stuff, great hire, and great performance from the basketball team. I'm I'm, I'm liking where we are. Yeah, I'm liking where we are. Uh, so we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazba, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.